0: YOLO Eidolon over here. <laughs> Yolo, YOLO Eidolon. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Judge Cast. This is episode number 84 with me as always. My name is CJ Trader, by the way. My two inspired co hosts. First off, we have Jess Dunks. Hello, hello. Hello. Additionally, we have Brian Prilliman.
1: Release the Krakens!
0: Again? Again. Did I already do that one? I don't know. I mean, wouldn't we have already done that you last that set? Arrows.
1: Did I do that the last set? Well, I mean, they had a clash. They remade Clash of the Titans. So, uh, still on theme, right? I want to have release the ants reprint. Release the ants. Oh, which will never happen. That's from, uh, that's from one of those Lorwyn block or Shadowmoor right. block cards, right? It has Clash, so it's probably never getting reprinted. Sorry. Release the ants, clash, clash of the titans. I see the connection.
0: It deals one damage to target creature or player, then you clash, and if you win the clash, you return it to your hand. That's awful. That's awful. Release the ants! That's really bad.
1: That's a terrible card, but it's so fun. I, I think it's the fun part of it is screaming the name out as you. Yes, the disappointing
2: it. thing about this card is actually
1: that it doesn't have an exclamation point at the end of its name. <laughs> like Kaboom. Uh, I, mean, oh, I mean
2: Kaboom got one, yeah. right? So why does <laughs>
1: it have one? Oh, is the card two arms? Didn't that also have an exclamation point at the end? I think so.
0: Uh yes it did. Alright. So this is our big FAQ episode, the episode people uh, It's, it's <laughs> our Shadow it's our Shadow Morph FAQ episode yeah, hope where we talk about hybrid. <laughs> hey, if our Kickstarter is funded, we'll have some past FAQ episodes. <laughs> um that's
2: a that's a stretch goal
0: yeah it's a stretch goal uh, we'll do past faqs i uh, know but this is about born of the gods yes <laughs> All right. i forgot for a second if it was journey into Nyx or, or born of the gods this is actually one of our most listened to shows are the faq shows i think because people just really hate reading
2: it could be that yeah and he, just for the record he was kidding about the the kickstarter yeah we don't have one of them. no well hit. don't go looking for it it
1: doesn't exist <laughs> what well, at least we're not going to have our FAQ episode on the dark where where we read the FAQ as it was written, complete with all the old rules.
0: Cells of the Deep Shadow is a mana ability. <laughs> so it's a it's a mana or it's a mana source. Oh, yeah, I guess it would uh, uh, means you uh, can't respond to it. You're going to take that one damage immediately. But you don't die until the stack is empty. <laughs> <laughs> hey, OK. All right. <laughs> Let's do this. So we have some new mechanics to set. Shocking, I know. And we have some returning mechanics, but let's start with the first brand new sparkly mechanic, Tribute. So I'm going to read off an example card with Tribute. This is Nessian Demoloc, Creature Beast. I guess Tribute 3, we'll get to that in a second, and then when Nessian Demolock enters the battlefield, if Tribute wasn't paid, destroy target, not creature permanent. So Tribute 3 means that as the creature enters the battlefield, the opponent has the choice to either pay, or I'm sorry, place three plus one plus one counters on the demolock, or choose not to do that, which means the Tribute was not paid. So paying the Tribute is placing the counters.
1: I find your lack of Tribute disturbing. Yeah.
0: Do you guys like this mechanic? I do, but I think some people don't like it. I think I think, it's funny. I think
1: people people because they've been told or taught that hey whenever you give your opponent a choice then they're gonna pick the the one that's most advent or at least disadvantageous to them. Yeah, but all these you guys know, so are they, pretty like
0: this guy's either a six six or a three three that destroys a non creature permit. Like I don't know, they're all pretty solid. Anyway,
2: these most of the ones that we have I think suffer from from the the vacuum devil problem where it's usually not what you want it to be when you want it to be
0: that. That's true.
2: Um, you know, so like you, you, you play this guy and you're like, oh, he's kind of like removal, except this. When you really want to remove a guy, they're just going to give him the counter.
0: Yeah. Mm. Okay, so somebody go through the timing here. Like, how exactly does this work? Like, I see we have we have an interest the battlefield effect. We have a trigger so-
1: So there's there's two ways, two ways that this card's going to go down. There's the by the rules way. And then there's the realistically what's going to happen in real world scenario. So so let's go through what what happens via the rules specifically. So um, I cast uh, or Biddy Kitty, Uh, Biddy Biddy Kitty casts uh, Nessian Demo Lock. It is now on the stack. OK, no choices, no, nothing has been made. You just announce you pay, you know, just like casting a spell your opponent. Uh, then milkshake, rece- uh, ah, milkshake yes. Milkshake uh, gets priority and has the opportunity to counter it. And if they don't, you know, respond to it in any way, they're going to pass priority back. Okay. At that point, the topmost object on the stack, which is Nessian Demo Lock, is going to resolve. And then at that point, Biddy Kitty needs to give uh, Milkshake. I'm trying to remember my cats here. Milkshake the opportunity to pay tribute. And I, I think I heard her.
0: Uh, yeah, you heard him. Yep. Yep,
1: yeah, him. Um, Milkshake will then get to decide. Uh, yes, I want the counters. Uh, I want to pay tribute, or no, I don't. And then she seems. Uh, he seems upset. Um, and then it comes into play, and. Uh, if the count, it comes in with the counters, if tribute was paid, which means it never exists on the battlefield without those counters. It's going to enter the battlefield as a 6-6. Um, if, and the trigger will not trigger because it has this intervening if clause. So when Nessian Demolak enters the battlefield, comma, if tribute was paid, comma, it's called an intervening if clause, uh, destroy target permanent. Um, what that, what that means right there is, uh, it's checked both when put on the stack and when it resolves. And if it's true in, if it's not true in both, or sorry, if it's not true when it goes to be put on the stack, it's not put on the stack at all. Like it doesn't even trigger. Okay. Uh, if tribute wasn't paid, it comes into play as a three, three, and the trigger happens and gets put on the stack and then players get priority and they can respond with the trigger already on the stack. Okay. Uh, so that's, that was a lot of back and forth. How's this really, really going to happen in, in reality?
2: I cast a Demolock.
1: You pay tribute? No? Good. All right. Right. Or, or Demolock resolves put counters on it. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, now, one, one thing of note is you, the controller of the Demolock, okay, uh, that tribute ability is your ability. You are responsible for giving your opponent the choice. You do not get to cast Nessian Demolock. And then kind of sit back and, hum, 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 he didn't say anything, so that means he didn't pay tribute. No, you have to give him the choice. Now, here's where this becomes awkward, okay? okay. You're absolutely correct. Yes,
2: you, you have to give him the choice. Let's say you're the opponent, right? So, you're the opponent, and you think, oh, he's played this, but he didn't say anything about tribute, so he totally forgot about this trigger. Except it's a replacement effect that he forgot about. Yes, so, you might be of a mindset that says, I don't have to remind my opponent about tribute if he plays a thing with tribute. Yes, you do. If you ignore it, then you have violated
1: the rules. So, don't ignore it. You aren't allowed to. Tell them whether or not you're paying tribute. Right. Make it as clean and smooth as possible. Paying paying tribute or the decision to pay or not pay tribute is not a replacement. Is, sorry, Is not a trigger. It is a replacement effect. It is not a trigger. Uh, the thing that happens as a result is generally a trigger. Yeah,
0: I think it's always a trigger. We'll
1: see. I said generally because I, I know because uh, you say I'm, hed-
0: I'm hedging. I haven't. it. If you read don't say the generally, part. then someone emails in and they're like, "Well, actually, well, actually, actually, odd. you clone no. one no. and then make it remove its
1: abilities." <laughs> 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 we'll get to that. Um, so yeah, so. If you are not given the choice, okay, if you do not give your opponent the choice accidentally, <clears throat> that is a game rule violation, and depending on how far the game has gone, the judges will have the option to either rewind or not rewind with head judge permission. In reality, probably what's going to happen is, cast Nessian I'm going to look at you, you're going to look at me, I'm like, oh, well, he didn't pay, and then I'm going to go to try and put the trigger on the stack, and my opponent's going to be like, whoa, what? You didn't give me a choice, or I didn't know that I had a choice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do not try to mind game your opponent into thinking that he does not have a choice. That would be
0: misrepresenting the rules of the game. and That would be a bad thing. That would be an uninspired decision. Oh. Oh. That sounds like a great card name, by the way. Uninspired decision. Yes. Red to our...
2: Yeah, it could be red. It could be like black, maybe. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Actually,
1: maybe white, because they're all just like, ah, Law is doing it the same way as we did it before. <laughs> Fill
0: out this form in triplicate.
1: It's very azorious. Yeah, let's make them fill it out. Fill it out six times. That's a very uninspired decision.
0: Okay, speaking of inspired, that's the other new mechanic. So, an example card: Airy Worshipers. Do they worship an airy or in the airy?
2: Probably in the airy.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Seems to be some kind of spirit. Oh, you know. Okay, all right. We're only on card number two. Whenever Airy Worshipers becomes untapped, you may pay two and a blue. Okay. If you do, put a two-two blue bird enchantment <laughs> creature token with flying onto the battlefield. Blue bird enchantment. Uh, so it's ice- What's that?
1: That's an ice cream, isn't it? Bluebird. Bluebird. Blue Bluebell.
0: Bluebell. Oh, that's right. It's a bus. Bluebird is a bus. I get those two confused. So inspired is an ability word. And what that means is that it doesn't actually mean anything. Like this card would work the exact same way if you removed the word inspired from it. Uh, other examples are like landfall, morbid, things like that. Heroic. Heroic is a good one. Yes. Threshold. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just out there. Well, I'm just. I I think when I played with threshold, it was not an ability word, but now Uh
1: No, but it is now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I paused on that one. Anyway. Okay, so this triggers. Basically, it combines a bunch of creatures who do something when they untap. Um, in the case of this one, it gives you the opportunity to pay some mana. Uh, other ones may do different things. So probably the most common way these guys are going to be untapping is during your untap step because maybe they attacked or something like that. Uh, if that happens, the trigger will go on. This will uh, wait to go on the stack until your upkeep because that's the first time a player would receive priority. We have a past episode that covers that. I'm sure we've covered it every time we've talked about all the steps of a turn. Um, some of these inspired abilities have costs associated with them. And much like tribute, you don't have to choose to pay that cost until the ability is actually resolving. So, for example, with Aerie worshippers, if the Aerie worshippers are t- untapped, your opponent doesn't get to know if you're going to pay that cost or not before they uh, have their chance to respond to the trigger. It's something you pay as the ability is resolving. So just one one quick thing on the the when
1: the triggers go on the stack. So even though your dude tri- uh your dude untaps during the untap step, okay, and that that trigger basically the trigger event happens and then let's say you have stuff that triggers at the beginning of your upkeep, okay, even though airy worshipers technically triggered before the the stuff that triggers at the beginning of your upkeep, since they're all trying to go on the stack at the same time, uh, the first time a player would get priority, you get to choose the order that they go on the stack.
0: Yes, that's an important point.
1: Right. So... So it, it might seem a little a little weird because you're like, oh, no, but this triggered before this other thing. But in reality, yes, they all did trigger. But then when they're all trying to go on the stack at the same time, so you get to choose the order that they go on and they're going to go on the stack in active player, non-active player or uh, order. So if someone has one of those crazy things that lets them untap all of their their uh, their guys at the beginning of you know, like uh, what's the Seaborn Muse? Yeah.
0: Prophet of Kruphix.
1: If you want to be this decade Yes, 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 if you want
0: to be current.
1: (laughs) I (laughs) love how he said this, says that like it's a foreign
0: concept. So, if you want to use your IC manipulator, Twiddle, yes, if you want it, yes, your Twiddle. And so, yeah. So we were just touching on this a little bit, but yeah, it's it triggers if they become untapped for any reason. It doesn't have to be in your untapped step. But the one thing is, they must be tapped to become untapped. So if you have an untapped creature and you cast something like Savage Surge on it, which untaps it, it doesn't actually untap it. It just does nothing. So you will not trigger Inspired. So the creature has to actually be tapped. All right. I think that's everything for Inspired. So this next one is not really a new mechanic, but it's kind of a little twist on the mechanic, which is uh, we now have things that say that are have devotion to multiple colors. So something could have devotion to red and white or black and blue. I I can't stand the questions that I've seen on this. card. People are having a really hard time with this. And I don't fully grasp it and I don't fully have a great way to explain it. But here's I think here's here's why. So the question that's come up is so it says
1: like, ah, oh, well, you know, if your devotion to uh, black and blue is greater than seven is seven or greater than this guy's a uh, creature. And they're like, oh, Night vale Spectre, it's got three hybrid mana. So that counts for six. So Nightbell Specter plus the God will turn him on and it's awesome. And... I think what it is is people want that to be true so badly because it's so unbelievably awesome yeah. that they look that they that they're intentionally overlooking the fact that that is stupidly powerful and wizards would not do that. They actually said like on, on Morrow's blog, he actually said, ah, we tried it that way, but it didn't survive a play
0: test. Right. So when you look at a card, let's say Nightbill Spectre, which has, you know, Tyrod, blue, black, blue, black, blue, black. How many black mana symbols does it have on it? Three. How many blue mana symbols does it have on it? Three. How many any color mana symbols does it have on it? It's three. It only has three mana symbols on it. No,
1: but it's little. In the in the little circle, it's no. tiny.
0: Each one of those is an individual mana symbol, and devotion only looks at mana symbols. So total, there's only three mana symbols on there. So it increases your devotion to black by three. It increases your devotion to blue by three. And it increases your devotion to blue and black by three.
2: Right. So I think what what's important here, and this the easy the reason it's easy to make this mistake is because you, it's easy to think, oh, my devotion to blue is three, and my devotion to black is three, so my devotion to blue plus my devotion to black would be six, which is true. Right. But devotion to blue and to black is not the same as just adding them together.
0: Yeah. So. That's the returning mechanic beyond that. There's also devotion in on like incense and sorceries where it didn't used to be. But we'll we'll cover those. But for the most part, uh, devotion works the same as it always has. We also have the returning mechanics of bestow and or bestow (laughs) the old days. (laughs) <laughs> Best- it was 3 months ago bestow and heroic are both coming back and monstrosity is not coming back uh for in-depth look at devotion bestow and heroic and the coining of the phrase bestow away you can look back at judge cast number 75 however i think brian would love to go over a quick refresher about bestow
1: yes so in in 30 seconds or less okay an aura is not an enchantment or or rather it is uh, it's not the same thing as an enchantment, okay? So it's it's auras are enchantments. Not, not all enchantments are auras. Um, bestow away creatures. They're always an enchantment. Always, always, always. They're sometimes an aura. Like, if you pay the bestow away cost, then they are an aura. Whenever it's not an aura, it's a creature.
0: There you go. Okay. And the gods are always enchantment creatures everywhere, except in the battlefield, where they may not be a creature. Yes. Had to convince myself of that one.
2: <laughs> all right, let's dive in. All in all, they work basically the same as you remember.
0: Yep. Yeah, all the new ones work exactly the same. There's a few with some quirks we'll talk about, but we're not talking about every god, because... Except for the devotion to red and white or or whatever the colors may be, Uh, they work basically the same. They just need seven devotion now instead of five. Okay, let's get started with our first card, shall we? Sure. It's a little bit of a doozy and it doesn't even seem like it up front. Like This is not, I think, a card someone would pick out to be one of the more complex ones in the set, but... It's Acolyte's Reward, and it's an instant, and it says prevent the next X damage that would be dealt to target creature this turn, where X is your devotion to white. If damage is prevented this way, Acolyte's Reward deals that much damage to target creature or player. So let me talk about the um, the um timing a little bit here. Uh, this spell has two targets. It targets a creature that you want to prevent the next, damage, next X damage to and a target that is how much you want to deal the damage to. Um, so when you're casting the spell, you have to choose both of those targets when you put it on the stack. After you finish casting all your uh, casting the spell and going through all the steps of casting a spell, uh, it's there on the stack. Both players pass priority and it starts to resolve. It's at this point when it resolves is when we actually look at your devotion to white. So your opponent can actually destroy, you know, a white card, a white permanent you have or something like that to try to lower your devotion before the acolytes reward resolves. And that's how all of these. Uh, cards that call out devotions on the spells that's how they all work because they all look on resolution to see what your devotion is
1: well there's there's one that checks on casting
0: when i said spell i meant instant or sorcery but you're okay. right i was using the colloquial term for spell not the date. colloquial term for hey, sure he was using it in the kaijudo sense oh oh okay i didn't know that but okay <laughs> yes, yes. Kaijudo, you, think
1: out. you have creatures and spells that's it are ah. you are you learning how to play
0: kaijudo Mister Tommy? yes
2: Oh, I know how to play kaijudo. Kaijudo master. I run kaijudo events as well as magic events.
0: He's a level eighteen kaijudo master. So, what what do they call judges in kaijudo?
2: Well, there isn't officially a kaijudo judge program, but uh, my players have taken to calling out
1: sensei.
0: Ah, I'd call them kai judges. Kai kai judges. Yeah.
1: What do you call a kaijudo judge in France? Okay, like judo with Oh, lost. Cheese. Uh, <laughs> lost. <laughs> lost <is fun. laughs>
0: okay. A royal judge. So, Acolyte's Reward. So, everything, everybody's like, yeah, okay, I'm on board. But here's the complex parts of it. Is that the fact that it prevents the damage and then it deals the damage back. So, it's not redirecting the damage. That's first off. So, say a 2 is attacking um, you and you block with it. You block with a creature and the 2-2 had lifelink. Um, since it's not redirecting the damage, but rather preventing it and then dealing that much, the player with the 2-2 uh, creature will not gain any life. Uh, so let's say you put up a prevention shield, a damage prevention shield on a creature for for your devotion was 3. Later, they kill one of your white permanents. Well, at that point, it's too late to actually change the devotion because the devotion was locked in when the, uh, the X, which is your devotion, was locked in when Acolyte's reward resolved. So killing a white permanent later won't change anything you know you you're already locked into preventing three damage there's so much about this card i hate this card why'd you pick it to talk about? because it has so much going on but like we can't just skip the hard ones what's the point of the show okay if the first target so that's the guy that's being prevented becomes illegal no damage can be prevented so none will ever be dealt back because the first target was illegal so there's nothing the the prevention doesn't happen to that guy if the second target is illegal then the damage will be prevented but obviously the acolytes reward will not do any damage so if if the second creature in response is given protection from white or whatever happens
1: hey Hey, uh, to Target Creature this turn, which is a deal that damage, Creature I wonder. Oh, you could actually use this to double heroic your two of your dudes. No, you could do it to single heroic two of your dudes. Well, you—I mean, you would. Yeah, you could. Yeah, sorry. You have, yeah, I, that's a good heroic point. Heroic, heroic.
0: Yeah, because it's not Target Creature or player and opponent controls or whatever. It's and uh, it's an
1: instant. Yeah, so if you just needed to use this as a uh, as a cheapsy, uh I mean, sure, you run the risk of if they then try and deal damage. To one of your guys, yeah, you and it gets
0: feel that you're relatively together. safe, but they could you probably can just, just do the damage directly to the other guy already. So, yeah. Um, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's that's cool. I didn't I didn't even notice that. Uh, what else? Oh, so since this is your card doing the damage, you may prevent you may redirect it to the opponent's planeswalker. Once again, this is because it's not redirecting their damage back; it's your card doing damage to them. So you have the right the right I guess the ability to redirect it to the planeswalker. Uh, n- not if it's. Combat damage. No, it is because it's acolyte's reward doing the damage. So nothing oh, right, 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 yep. right, right.
2: Right. This is why they do. This is why they templated it in this way instead of the way Harm's Way was templated
1: because it caused that problem. Ah, uh, right. Okay. I was remember. I was remembering Harm's Way.
0: Okay. So say you had six devotion to white when this resolved. This sets up like a shield. So if you uh, if your targeted creature is dealt three damage, well, that uses up three of the shield, but three is still left and three is uh, dealt to the second target at that time. So you could have an instance where it deals three, then deals three to the other thing. And then someone deals three to it again. It would deal three to it again until the shield is used up. And finally, say you have a 100-handed one, and your devotion to white is, let's say, four, and you're being attacked by two creatures, and the 100-handed one can block them both, and one of them is, let's say, a 4-4 death touch, and the other one's just a regular 4-4. You have, if if you block them both at the same time, and since this damage is being dealt simultaneously, you get to choose which source is actually being prevented. Uh, so, say we're preventing four damage here. So, you can do a little trick where you actually prevent the death touch damage and have it get, um... I keep wanting to say redirected, but get it to have Acolytes Reward deal the damage to some other target, and then your 100-handed one will not die due to death touch damage because you've got a choice there. Now, that won't work if, you know, the damage is being dealt during separate times, like a first strike or something like that, but it will work if it's just regular combat damage.
2: Prevented. I only have one question about this card. Yes? How is this a reward for an Acolyte? I'm trying to figure out the flavor this whole time,
0: and I just don't get it. They're being rewarded with not being killed.
2: That's, that's the we're yeah. We're going to not kill
0: you. I think they well, have such devotion, yeah, that they're having damage prevented. Yeah, hey, you're, you're, uh... you're rendered... And vulnerable
2: this this somewhere. card is a stretch for flavor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I appreciate that we have that damn. Oh oh, hold on. That giant there, wear or whatever. You wanted you want to talk about flavor? I got. I inserted a card in the show notes where we're going to have words all about right. flavor.
0: Well, we'll get to it. So I promise we're not going to talk about all the cards that long. Actually, I think that was the longest we'll talk about any card. But I wanted to try to cover prevention a little bit there because there's a lot going on there. Okay. And a lot of different things. But let's talk about the next guy.
1: A Crow and Conscriptor. Four and a red for a 3-2 with a heroic trigger that says, whenever you cast a spell that targets a Crow and Conscriptor, gain control of another target creature until end of turn. Untap that creature. It gains haste. Here's the really the only comment, okay? If you steal a dude, okay, uh, with a, a crown conscriptor and that dude has uh, an equipment or a bestowaway or, or an aura that gives its owner a choice, okay? You do not even though you stole the dude, you did not steal the equipment, you did not steal the enchantment, you did not steal the bestoway. Those still belong to the, the your opponent. So if your dude dies, if your stolen dude dies and it's enchanted with a bestow away, the bestow is gonna drop onto the battlefield, uh, under your opponent's control. The, the the controller of the of the of the enchantment. Or now the controller of the creature. Okay,
0: so you don't get their bestow away when the creature dies. That's it. Seems unfair. Not really. Jess, you talk about this next weirdo. By the way, that's my name for a lot of cards in this set. Just weird, Just weird guys.
2: We're talking about the Conscriptor?
0: The Arbiter uh, of the Ideal.
2: The Arbiter, okay. We're, so we're done talking about
0: Conscriptor. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. to say um, about him. What's that? I said there's nothing else to say oh, about yeah. him. yeah.
2: So Arbiter of the Ideal. I actually, this card is very interesting. Um, so what it says is it has flying, and uh, that means he can't be blocked by non-flying creatures. Okay.
0: What about creature
1: called Reach? Really interesting about this card. Yeah, what about Reach?
2: Um, right, 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 yeah. So also, it's a good call. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, M to 4-5. Uh it has a rare mana symbol. Uh, is there something else we wanted to mention? Um okay. Oh, he has an
1: Svetlana drew the art. What's that? Svetlana Velanov drew the art. Oh, right. There yes. There's an
2: artist I can't pronounce on this card as well. Um so what it says is whatever arbiter of the ideal becomes untapped. Reveal the top card of your library. If it's an artifact, creature, or land card, you may put it onto the battlefield with a Manifestation Counter on it. That permanent is an enchantment in addition to its other types. Now, some cards have done similar things before, and there are even cards that have done close to the same thing before. Uh, but what's interesting about this is that the, it puts a Manifestation Counter on your guy, and all the Manifestation Counter does is remind you that this is the enchantment. It has no rules, interactions whatsoever. If you remove the Manifestation Counter that creature is still an enchantment. If you move the manifestation counter to another creature, that other creature is not an enchantment. It's just a creature with a manifestation counter. The, the counter doesn't do anything. Uh, it's not like mannequin counters where there's rules baggage attached to it. It's just not. It's pure uh, reminder. Yep, pure reminder. Yeah. And that also means that if the Sphinx dies, it's still an enchantment. Uh, you can... Uh, oh, I misread your note. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say that you can't bestow something, and then I read the note and read it wrong and said it can, and I was confused. You cannot bestow something... Onto a creature this way because it's not, you're not playing it. It's just coming into play. Right, right.
0: Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's weird to me to have the counter because there's there's another card um, slipping my, not my mind right now. But he, he's a 2-4 and he puts plus one, plus one counters on a guy when he enters and it makes him a mutant as well. And like that guy, I guess they think the plus one, plus one counters is enough for that guy. Uh, it's just weird to have their little reminder counter that doesn't do anything.
2: Yeah. So we've, we've, we've seen a move towards counters as memory
1: devices so far. Like Monstrous does that. So so they made a a, a tape had in his uh, Tumblr account answered the question today that one of the reasons why he went to it is is the whole fact that it's an enchantment kind of has a tendency to not really matter until like maybe four or five turns later. Yeah. Or whatever, and in which case there's much more memory issues uh, uh, involved. I mean, if the fact that something becomes a mutant is kind of eh, probably a lot less relevant, but it's already got the counters on it. So that kind of helps. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Mm. yeah. All right. But yeah, that's it. So the manifestation manifestation counter doesn't actually mean anything. That's the right there. Man, I get the archetype. All right, man. Archie type of courage. So this is a cycle. Of bros, uh, they all oh, basically get. Are, are give, they all bros? Yeah, I don't think
1: they're all bros. Well, this guy's a bro. Okay, he's a
0: bro. Um, they all basically have. Um, they have an ability that they grant to all of your creatures, and they remove that same ability from your opponent's creatures. So in this case, Archie here, he uh, says creatures you control have first strike, and creatures your opponents control lose first strike and can't have or gain first strike. I think it's actually a little new. I don't think we've ever seen anything quite like it
2: no it's that I think this is
0: uh There's a thing
2: that comes up in modern that probably caused this to be a new a new templating that's
0: yeah that's fair so uh creatures you control a first strike that's pretty straightforward it'll affect him uh so creatures your opponents control lose first strike and can't have or gain first strike so so far you know having them lose first strike we've seen that all around uh, I do want to mention it doesn't do anything to double strike double strike will work completely as normal this card does not interact with it at all but so that means any existing creatures will lose first strike but they can't have or gain first strike means that if anything tries to give them first strike later, it will still do nothing. Um, so if a card said target creature gets plus one plus O and gains first strike, well the creature's only going to get plus one plus O. It will not be able to gain first strike. That's different than how a lot of these cards work. Um, if if I had something, well you could go to the old standby humility. If I have a bear cub out and then I put out a humility, making my bear cub lose all abilities, then later i say, okay now let me give it plus one plus O and first strike. Well the bear cub actually would have first strike because it's it's later in the timestamps than the actual humility. But in this in this case Archie here says nope never you're never gaining first strike there's no way to cheat first strike onto this guy can't trumps can yep
1: so in this particular case uh yep can't have or gain so what is what is the card from modern that uh, we suspect was inspiration for this uh new template uh
2: that would be Malira. Uh, malira silvok outcast um, says that creatures your opponents control lose impact but it doesn't say they can't gain an infect, and it doesn't say they can't have infect. So, so this created some awkward scenarios where you could give a creature infect, and it would do nothing, because the other thing Malira says is that you can't have minus one, minus one counters placed on your creatures, and you can't get poison counters. So you, you could give a creature infect after the, a later timestamp, and it would have infect, and then when it dealt damage, nothing would get counters. So it was basically a useless creature.
1: Oh, like moth Nexus. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, not doing anything. Aww. So
0: no more of that. Yep. Go for this next one, Ryan.
1: All right, I'm doing the next two. Okay, this
0: next one's kind of lame. It is, and the other one's got a but funny I, joke. I just felt like the in the prevention one, the ham the point may not have been hammered home, so I added this one too. Oh, okay. since this is a pure version of it. Jeez. Okay.
1: Aspect of of hyde, not
0: of the hydra, just
1: aspect of hydra. So it's it's like a Captain America villain. <laughs> um, for green target creature gets plus x plus x until end of turn, where x is your devotion to green. So your devotion to green is determined when the spell resolves, not when you cast it. So, when aspect resolves, count them up. That's what you got. Plus X, plus X. Yay.
0: Alright, the next one. Well, I, I just to make the point that if it has plus X plus X, which is whatever X was or whatever your devotion to green was when the aspect resolved. And later on, killing a green creature won't change that fact.
1: Dude, these guys have played with Wirewood Symbiote. They know how that X works. What on
0: earth is Wirewood Symbiote? Not Wirewood Symbiote. Uh, Wirewood... I'm also lost on that one, don't know. We, so far, I think have talked about one old card for every new card. (laughs) No, it's not Wirewood Symbiote.
1: Ah, it's the one that's like, uh, it's Timberwatch Elves. it still don't know all right do your next one timber <laughs> timber watch timber watch elves man he gets plus x plus x for the number of elves in play come on now um all right so the next one is astral cornucopia which really the only reason this is brought up because its mana cost is x X. that's right you must be 17 or older to play this card um, it has an ability. Astral Cornucopia enters the battlefield with X charge counters on it. Uh and then you tap choose a color, add one mana of that color, uh uh, for each charge counter on Astrial Cornucopia. So, uh, first off, uh, it's casting cost is not 30. <laughs> I get it. Cause it's, it's Roman. Numerals. I get it. Um, so if you pay three mana, it will enter the battlefield with one charge counter. If you pay six, it'll get two. If you pay nine, it'll get three. Um, uh, three counter, three charge counters on it and it enters the battlefield with these counters it's not a triggered ability uh, I'll also point out that charge counters are one of those cool little counters that there's actually several cards that interact with charge counters uh, from the Mirrodin blocks so you can do things to get to put more charge counters on it Uh, And then when you tap it, uh, you will get uh, uh, the extra mana. Um, You can also proliferate those counters, that kind of thing. Um, This is a mana ability, so you can't tap it and then in response add more counters to it because it's going to resolve right away. That's all I got on Astral Cornucopia. Yeah. Yeah.
0: In the red light district in uh, Theros, it's showing those Guardians of Melatis. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah, that. Whoa, 06 different. Uh oh.
2: You also can't. Uh, you also can't pay things that aren't either zero or increments of
0: three for this card.
2: Yeah. So what I mean by that is that you can't. You, know, you can't choose an X of something and
1: pay more or less than that amount. Because the, 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 that amount times three. Right. Well, you can. You can pay zero. Uh, I said that. Yeah. Yeah. So it comes in with zero, and then you just have to find some some way to cheat counters on it. But yep, yep. Alright, just go for it. You can skip that one if you want.
0: Black Oak. That one's kinda lame. Black Oak. Alright, replace it with spring leaf drum. Whatever you want, it's the same thing. Black Oak. The Black Oak of Odunos!
1: Odunos. This is zero five with Defender. You can spend black uh one black and tap another tapped untapped creature you control and the black oak of Odunos gets plus one plus one until end of turn. Um so the the thing about this card is it says the cost is tap another untapped creature you control colon black oak gets you know the plus one, plus one um because this ability does not actually have the tap symbol might have the tapped word but it doesn't have the tap
0: symbol you can use it the turn it comes into play yeah so yeah the hammer at home you you would be able to use this if it even said just tap unt- tap an untapped creature you control instead of another He would be able to tap himself if he really wanted to.
1: So, so if you if you drop two black oaks, okay, they can on one turn. You can eat. You can pay one black, and they can both uh, tap each other. Yeah, or they can both be tapped. Yeah, talking. That's super useful. <laughs> oak, oak on oak action. Really uh, uh, inspire. Enabler. Yeah. Yeah, that's really all that is. But uh, it's just something of note. All right, Jess, Brimaz, yeah. take it away. Yes, you can have Brimaz.
0: Sweet.
2: So Brimaz is very exciting. It's
1: a 3-4 vigilance.
2: Uh, Brimaz, king of Oreskos. Can I call him King of Oreos? Yeah, sure. Yes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No problem. In okay. fact, okay. I think acquire so, two from now yeah. on. I call him. Right.
2: The so the King of Oreos, um, it says whenever Brimaz King of Oreos attacks, put a, my, I'm sorry, put a 1-1 white cat soldier creature token with vigilance onto the battlefield attacking. Whenever Brimaz blocks a creature, put a 1-1 white cat soldier creature token with vigilance onto the battlefield blocking that creature. That is a lot of text. Yes. Uh, so the attacking, when you attack, with Brimaz and you put the a creature into uh, into play, you can put it into play attacking the same thing Brimaz is attacking, or you can put it into play attacking something else. So, if you're for example, if you are attacking a Planeswalker with Brimaz, you could put the token into play attacking the player that controls that Planeswalker. It doesn't have to attack the same thing. Um, if you can somehow manage to make the King of Oreos block multiple creatures, uh, then it's second of Ability will trigger multiple times so it will you'll get multiple you'll get one cat for each creature that it's blocking basically
0: and, that, and that's because it has the word whenever broomhouse blocks a creature versus whenever broomhouse blocks right yeah
2: right 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 um now, since it, the token's put into play blocking, it can ignore any restrictions that might prevent it from blocking normally. Uh, so if a creature says, like, this can only be blocked by one creature, uh, then you can block with Grimis, and then the cat will still come into play blocking. Uh, and it, this also ignores any other restrictions. So, like, if you were to, uh, you know, you, if you attack me with a creature that says this can't be blocked by a creature for power one or less or something, hmm. uh, the one one cat can still be blocking it. Um, and then the last thing there is that you, you, it goes in there. After damage assignment order has been made, so <laughs> it gets added to the original order, but but the original order has to stay the same.
0: Yeah, so that's part of how blocking works. If 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 uh, if Brimaz and a Bear Cub block an attacking creature, you have to the attacking creature's controller has to say, "I'm going to kill Brimaz first, then the Bear Cub." They don't assign actual damage at that point, but they have to order how they're going to kill him. Uh, so Brimaz's token, since it comes in later and is blocking, gets to go into that order anywhere that the attacking player would like but it um but the order still has to stay the same so he can't be like well i'm gonna swap brimaz and bear cub now no it's still brimaz bear cub and then either before all that in the middle of that or at the end of that the token is added in which is a weird quirk
2: yeah and uh and also the art on this card is amazing
1: and you should get a playmat of this art (laughs) at grand prix phoenix just saying (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's pretty slick looking all right the courser of Krufix. oh yes we haven't had one of these for a while uh play with the top card of your library revealed you may play the top card of your library if it's a land card whenever a land enters a battlefield under your control you gain one life landfall some might call that so, I think this is a good occasion to go over the land drop rules one more time, since they, they changed uh, M14. Is is this card just a strict upgrade from Oracle of Moldiah? It, no. Well, it's an enchantment creature, so it or- dice it or- or- naturalized. Mold- Oracle of Moldiah
1: let you play an additional land card per turn. Oh, that's right. That's, right. that's,
0: that's,
2: that's what I'm missing.
1: Oh, okay. yeah. There
0: is a difference. Oh. Then this guy doesn't even apply to the no, land drop. No, this doesn't have to do with the land drop But rules. we can still oh, go over the land drop rules I really anyway. I thought it did. Oh, man. No. I really did think. I just thought it was a strictly better oracle modio. It's just, okay. It's fine.
1: So it says you may play the top card of your library if it's a land card. That still counts as your land drop for the
0: turn. Yes. yes. Yeah. You're so disappointed now. And like, Kior doesn't even use the new land. Ah, oh, so upset. All right, fine. <laughs> Yeah, that's still your land drop. She's not getting. She, in fact, is not letting you play an extra land a turn, but she does let you play the top card of your library as if it was a land. Oh, she does have that quirk with drawing cards, though. If you are drawing multiple cards at once, well, what you're doing in reality is drawing a card, drawing a card, drawing a card. Each is individual actions. So what you have to do is you draw the first card and you actually have to reveal the next card so that your opponent gets to know what that next one is before you draw it. And uh, then you draw and you do it one more time. So your opponent actually gets to know every card you draw because you're playing with the top card of your library revealed. What
1: happens what happens if you play uh Brainstorm? Brainstorm and you all just, right and i just draw my top three i knew it was
0: happening what you mean like penalty wise if i just did it without re- yeah you know? so
1: let's let's talk let's talk competitive if i just rip those top three cards off Ooh. uh it's that's failure to re- reveal right well it's Game loss, failure to reveal. Uh, First off, it's no. not failure to
0: reveal because no? that doesn't exist. I know, I know. But is this is this a GRV with upgrade to No, no. What's
1: what's the uh, what's the upgrade criteria for GRV?
0: I don't know. I'd have to double check. Okay, so fraction the, the, that the opponent. The thing about
1: uh,
2: upgraded GRVs is it requires that the reveal had to be made to to basically to verify that the thing that was done was legal. Ah, yes. So, like, like, in the case of where it says, you know, search your library for a land, reveal it, put it in your hand. You're revealing it not because we just want your opponent to see what it is, but because we want to be able to verify to everyone that this card is a land that you're putting in your hand. And the reason for the game loss penalty is because you might be getting something other
1: than a land.
0: That makes right. sense. So it's just a regular old GRV? It is a regular old GRV, yes. Possibly so, rewind? Uh, I'm probably not going to be able to. <laughs> Uh,
2: I'd be fine with
0: it. All right, Brian. Six
2: some random cards in there. Reveal. Put it in your hand. No, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. but Oh, you know.
0: but I do want to talk a little more about Brainstorm. So, yeah, you do. You do. You draw... Um, you know, draw, reveal, draw, reveal, draw, reveal. So they're basically going to see from start to finish there, they see the top card um, that you draw, the next one that you draw, the next one that you draw, and the top one after that. Yep. So they see four cards and you draw three. And then you put two back on top. And that's not like drawing. So that goes as one action. So the only card they don't get to see is one of those two cards. Because after that fact, the top one will be revealed again. So they, do get, they don't get to know what one of those two cards was until you... Draw the top card and have to reveal the next one. So if you're playing yep. Corsair in Legacy, here you go. Mm. All right,
1: Brian. Oh shit. Oh, I, sh- almost, s-
0: swore. Oh, I almost swore. I almost <laughs>
1: swore. I almost swore at getting this next card. All right, the next card is the Eidolon of Yolo. No, uh, Yolo. the Eidolon of Countless Battles. So uh, this is it's one white white for his zero zero creature. There we go. Nothing more to see here. Next card. Vanilla test. J- Jess, you're up. Fails the vanilla test. Uh no okay so it has bestow of two white white and it has the ability eidolon of countless battles and enchanted creature each get plus one and plus one for each creature you control and plus one plus one for each aura you control so
0: so this guy is the um, this guy is the worst. sure hope everyone understands bestow yeah. at the pre release because yeah he's testing so, you.
1: So, like I said at the beginning, um, bestow a creatures. They're they're sometimes auras. And anytime that they're not an aura, they're a creature. Okay, so if you cast just Eidolon of Countless Battles on the bat, and he's he's all by himself on the battlefield, he is a one-one. You control because he is not an aura. Okay, now let's add a little bit of complexity. I now have a bear cub, uh, and an Eidolon of Countless Battles as a creature. Okay, Eidolon of Countless Battles. He gets plus one plus one for each creature I control. Okay, I got a bear cub. I got an Eidolon. He's a 2 2. Okay. Now I'm going to put, I'm going to, instead of just casting Eidolon of Countless Battles as a creature, I'm going to cast him as an enchantment on my Bear Cub. So my Bear Cub is a base 2 2. Eidolon of Countless Battle uh, enchanted creature gets plus 1 plus 1 for each creature you control and each aura. Well, I have a creature, which is a Bear Cub, and my Eidolon is now an aura. Okay, so my Bear cub's going to get plus 2 plus 2. Okay, so it's now a 4 4. Okay, okay. Every, everyone with yeah. me so far? What happens if you have oh, an right. Eidolon
0: on another Eidolon?
1: Then, uh, basically, um, Gozer the Gozerian shows up. Okay. Uh, Stay Puff Marshmallow Man crushes the building that you're standing on. All right. And everyone ends up smelling like burnt dog fur.
2: You You guys are really complicating this a lot. So, like, I don't want countless battles. This, this card isn't actually that confusing. Like, you've got. You've got the Eidolon, and if it's a creature, then it gets the bonus. And if it's enchanting something, then the thing it's enchanting gets the bonus. And all the bonuses is, is you count up the number of creatures and idolons or creatures and auras you have and give it plus plus one plus
1: one plus for each it's, of those things. This thing this thing that's in, it. in Twitter land has generated a lot of questions. Like people people still and I think I think what the premise is people are still having a hard time separating that enchantments and auras or, or when when you they see the word enchantment that that doesn't necessarily mean aura
2: Right. So this is. So here's the thing about this. This this creature is probably here to teach people that because what this shows you is that some a permanent can never ever in the game of Magic be both an aura and a creature at the same time. That
0: is a true statement. Yes. Yeah. So there is no card
2: that will cause this to get plus two plus two by its by its own existence.
0: Yes, I, I think that's the main point. Uh, and then also something like Ifar, God of the Polis is is uh, is a god, and she's a legendary enchantment creature god. So if you don't have devotion like the other gods, she's only legendary enchantment. So once again, she would not count for the Eidolon of Countless Battles, but if you do have devotion, then she is a creature, and she would count for Eidolon of Countless Battles. And she's right. never an aura. She's never an aura. Never an aura. Ever. But I'll let Jess talk about Afara. Afara?
2: Yeah. Uh, God of a horse. Yeah. Uh, Police. So I find it interesting that they've gone with God instead of Goddess, and I'm pretty sure the only reason they've done this is because, because card text... Because the name line is not long enough. Yeah, really. I
0: mean, I think they knew they always, like, they always knew the type had to be god. They, they can't be anything else. It could be god or dog. Like, those are your two options for the Yeah, pretty much. Oh, except dog's not a creature uh, type. Hound is. Oh, yeah. The yeah, oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> actually. For uh, goddess of the pull, seems to flow better than the god of the polis. But anyway, so uh, this is one of the new cards from the cycle maybe, of...
1: Maybe it's not really, they're not really gendered. <laughs> That is a possibility. They just look it because of our human psyches or whatever.
2: So we've already talked about the the devotion thing and... You know, this is this is one of the new gods from from the new cycle of gods, and it's indestructible, just like the previous gods, and it cares about devotion, just like the previous gods, uh, and then it has an effect that happens. Um, now, with devotion, you get this thing where oh, let's say I've got uh, Judge's familiar in play. Mm-hmm. I had to think about finding one that was both blue and white. Um, you've got a Judge's familiar in play that only counts as one for your devotion; it doesn't count as two. Uh, and we've already talked about why, so I'm not going to go into it again, but. Uh, then this, in addition to it being a creature or not being a creature with devotion greater or less than seven, it also says at the beginning of each upkeep, if you had another creature enter the battlefield under your control last turn, draw a card. Yeah. Uh, this triggers on every
0: upkeep, not just your own upkeep. Yeah. That's the first weird part is like every upkeep.
2: Yeah. So if I play a guy and pass the turn, this triggers on my opponent's upkeep. If I play a guy with flash on my opponent's turn, it triggers on my upkeep. Uh... As we've mentioned a few times, if you put a creature with the stow into play as an aura, it will not cause this ability to trigger because it's not a creature. Um, and I'm actually, so, uh, CJ has a note right here and I'm a little confused about it.
0: Oh, so what I meant was say you have a bear cub with a bestow away. Okay. Yeah. And then you kill the bear cub. The bestow away becomes a creature, but it's not a creature that entered the battlefield.
2: Okay, so so a creature cast so bestow- that is on the battlefield. Yep. It has its it's the thing it's enchanted to kill doesn't trigger it. But a creature with bestow that is on the stack that has its target killed will still enter the battlefield as a
0: creature and, and trigger a fair. That's why yes. I'm Yes, okay, yes, I see what you mean. Yep, yeah, that, and so, that's important to point out, actually.
1: So I'm, I'm going to point out one more important thing with this, okay? Because we just went over and it's like, oh, well, if it's a bestow away and it enters the battlefield as a creature from the stack, then it came into play. But if it fell off a bear cub, then it's not. And, you know, oops, I got them confused. And on my opponent's upkeep, I went ahead and drew my card. OK, this is one. Of the, it's very important uh, with with recent po- policy changes. We want you to confirm your card draws with your opponent. OK, so if you had your bear cub enchanted with this, the Eidolon from the last example and the bear cub dies and the Eidolon falls off. OK, if during your opponent's upkeep, you just go reach over there and go and draw your card, and you just go ephemera and draw your card. That's well, that's uh, uh, D C. OK, if you look at your opponent and you're like, uh, you know, draw a card from Ephemera. Ephora. and The opponent's like, yes, it's Ephemera. Ephara. What am I saying? Ephemera? Yeah. Ephemera. Yeah.
0: Uh, uh, yeah. Important. God, Ephemera. God, goddess. Whatever. And it might be Epharo. Don't know e- yet.
1: Ephara. <laughs> Ephara. So if you if you if you actually look at your opponent and just say draw for a Ephara. Fa- uh, And he goes, okay. then that's not drawing extra cards. That's a game rule violation because you confirmed it with your opponent. Okay. so drawing cards. Okay. you want to you want to start confirming with your opponent and give him an opportunity to respond, uh, you know, acknowledge it.
0: Cool. Also, this is an intervening if, which doesn't really matter too much, but it doesn't actually trigger if you never had a creature enter the battlefield.
1: Yeah, that's kind of a weird one. Like, there's really no way that you can...
0: Yeah, you can't cheat in. it anyway, yeah. Hmm. Oh, well. Oh, well. Next up, Everflame Eidolon. He's 1 in a red 1-1. He has Bestow, and he has red. Everflame Eidolon gets plus 1, plus 0 until end of turn. If it's an aura, Enchanted Creature gets plus 1, plus 0 until end of turn, and also Enchanted Creature gets plus 1, plus 1. So, this, this card has... It's a little bit weird how this templating works, but uh, it... It's not too bad. So if you if you have this bestowed onto a creature and you activate the ability and then in response to activation of the ability, the opponent kills. So say this is attached to a bear cub. They kill the bear cub. Then this guy, the Eidolon, ends up still getting the plus one plus O. It's a little weird, but that's just because of the wording of the ability. Um, you know, it says he gets plus one plus o And then if it's an R, it doesn't. Or, you know, if it's an R, the creature gets plus one plus O. you know, it doesn't actually do that check until it goes to resolve. Uh, similar, I think this one's a little more obvious, but if you have it on a bear cub, you resolve the ability, so you actually gave the bear cub plus one plus O, so you have a 4-3 bear cub at this time, and then kill the bear cub. The Eidolon does not get that plus one plus O, so it, it's only in response to, if you do it in response to the ability, kill the creature it's on, will you have that little quirk show up. I want to talk about the next one too. Yes. I gouge. That's yours. I gouge. It's like I love this card. I don't know why anyone wouldn't, but it just says target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of the turn. If it's a Cyclops, destroy it. Uh, there's really nothing quirky about the rules here. I guess if if it became a Cyclops in response to eye gouge, it would still destroy it. But most of the time that doesn't matter. Um, I just think this is a cool card, but I'm Should kind you? of upset. Yeah, that it doesn't oh, kill sorry. eyes. All two of them. All two of them. There's two eyes. I wish they would make like an equipment that's like glasses that the two eyes could wear. I'm actually upset that if if the
1: creature's not a cyclops it becomes a cyclops after having its one uh, one of its eyes gouged <laughs> that would be great um but, real question, is the art sideways? I mean, there's volcanoes in the background poking, like, sideways.
0: Oh, man. Oh, you're yeah, right. Yeah.
2: It's, it's, uh, it's, this guy's supposed to be on the ground, like, yeah. That's yeah. Weird. We're supposed to be viewing it from
1: the same angle. And I, 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 I that just, it just kind of throws it off for me. Yeah. I thought, I, I
0: thought, like, a spear was thrown at his eye, and we had just seen, you know, post-impact. But now I totally see well, sure. it now.
1: He's fallen over. Yeah. He's, he's fallen down. But I, I, I really can't, yeah. Once, once I saw it, I don't know. Anyway, this card also kills. I
2: mean, this whole thing, like, I don't know. The flavor text is awful, too. Like, I, this this card just fails in so many ways. Yeah, he fails. Got a big he? head,
1: dude.
0: What? Fails. Yeah.
1: He's got a big baby head, man. Oh, I okay. mean. Are we going to have a nerd fight? We're, I think we're about to have a nerd fight. It's going to happen. <laughs> I think, I think. I think it's got a lot of things going for it, but the yeah the flavor the flavor text is kind of meh for me. It
2: reads like a Nike commercial.
1: It does. Just do it.
0: Right. <laughs> you know. For the listeners, it says one chance, one throw, one perfect hit. Just,
1: one chance,
2: one throw, one
0: perfect hit.
1: Oh, it's like oh, the beginning of that. It. It's it's Nike. the beginning of Eight Mile. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you only had one. <laughs> here we go. This is, so this is this is M&M. message here,
2: which is. Poke M&M's eye out. I understand now.
1: This opportunity only comes
0: once in a lifetime. <laughs> all right. Ryan, talk about Fall of the Hammer. I don't want to. I know. Okay. I, I, I don't you... need more of this style of card. Yeah. It's... All right. So Fall of the
1: Hammer is one in a red for an instant. Target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to another target creature. All right. So we're just going to we're just going to shorten this stuff up. If either target is illegal, um When this spell goes to resolve, then no damage is going to be dealt. Uh, if uh, one of the guys is, is gone, uh no damage is going to be dealt either this does not use last known information uh because last known information cares about sources whereas this card is actually having the creature do something to another creature right. so the creature actually has to be there in, in order to deal damage or be there in order to receive damage you can't make an it's, illegal target perform an action and this card's making the creature deal damage miyagi say best defense no be there
0: okay it sounded better in my head go for the next one jess
1: Floodtide Serpent.
2: Ooh. This creature says Floodtide Serpent can't attack, and unless you return an enchantment you control to its owner's hand, uh, the cost here is paid when you're choosing attackers. What? Yeah. I guess I guess you could call that a cost. Sure. Okay. Yeah, like so, paying
0: a mana. This is this is a different cost. It even says in the reminder text it says this cost.
2: Yeah. Okay. So the cost of doing this is paid when you choose choosing attackers. So. You, you, you have to, as soon as you attack in the same incident, you have to pay this cost and you can't pay the cost and then not attack. You're either doing it or you're not doing it. Um, that's pretty much it. An opponent can't do anything in response. Yeah. You're just like, I'm going to attack and return this and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> except
1: Yep. Yeah, you can't you can't uh, be like, oh, oh uh, yeah, in response, I'm going to you know, destroy that enchantment. Yeah, it's gone.
0: Nope. It's all part of declare attackers. And
1: yeah, and really just the way the way it works is when you say attacks and your opponent goes, OK, well, he just missed his opportunity to nuke your enchantment. Because the next thing you're going to be doing is turning that guy sideways and bouncing a, uh, an enchantment.
0: All right. Hero of eros. He's a uh, one and white, two, two. He says, Aura spells you cast costs one less to cast. And he also has heroic. Um, so I think the obvious question is, does this reduce the cost of a bestow creature? And the answer is yes. If not, it would be incredibly confusing for the set. Uh, Yes, absolutely. When you're casting a bestow creature, um, the first step is to put it on the stack. But the second step is to choose if you're going to be casting it uh, for the bestow cost or for its regular mana cost. And the moment you choose to cast it for its bestow cost, it becomes an aura on the stack. And by the time we get to the steps that are cost reduction, it is already an aura. So it will cost one colorless less to cast.
2: All these white cards
1: making me want to go to the grocery store and get some Oreos. (laughs) Hero of (laughs) All right. Loyal Pegasus for one white or for a white is a 2-1 flyer. Oh, that sounds pretty awesome. Passes the vanilla test. Ah, but wait. Loyal Pegasus can't attack or block alone. It's Flying Jackal Pup. Which means Whoa. it's it sucks with exalted. Um so if you have two loyal Pegasi, right? Pegasi, is that the plural Pegasus? Right. If
2: you have two loyal Pegasus Pegasi. Pegasi
1: they're somehow riding each other. Oh hey. <laughs> that's I, a I that's a, a that's a nature document documentary right there. Um,
2: this is the second flavor fail
1: of Pegasus. So the first one was from Theros.
2: And somehow every human on your board rides it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, what's hey. the problem? I don't get it. Well, they're, 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 <laughs> they're buddies. It's a
1: man. Come anything on. Anything
2: can ride this Pegasus. Like, you could have, like, a sea lock monster somehow riding this Pegasus.
1: It doesn't make sense. Sure. And, and look, it's flavor tech even mentions a village bicycle. Um, <laughs>
0: I, oh, I actually oh. read it.
1: I actually read it. I believed you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... two of these if you have two loyal pegasi they can attack both of them and they can block both of them together as a as a pair when they attack they don't actually have to attack the same thing so one can attack uh uh bitty kitty and the other can attack bitty kitty's planeswalker furry the fowl i don't know just made them just made that planeswalker up
0: and then they don't have to block the same creature either they don't have to block the same creature either no so there, all we got loyal Pegasus. Just tell us about this Titan, this Marshmist Mist. Titan. Marsh Titan. Oh man, sorry, I just saw the next one. <laughs> you saw?
2: This is my favorite car. All right,
0: well, I'll let you talk about the following one. Go ahead. What? It's the so n- Marsh
2: Marsh Mist Titan. Uh, costs X less to cast. It costs six and a black for a four-five, which is awful, by the way. Um, but <laughs> it costs X less to cast, where X is your devotion to black. So if you had six black mana symbols among permanents you control, then it- this would only cost one back black to play. Now, if you had seven black mana symbols among permanents you control, then it would still only cost six less because you can't reduce the colored cost. Additionally, unlike a lot of the other cards that we've mentioned, this one actually locks the devotion in when you cast it. So this won't like change
1: the cost somehow after you've cast it.
0: All right, Brian. Perplexing Yay.
1: I love this card. This is this is this is my favorite card in the whole set.
0: Well, first off, let's have a the old fashioned judge cast pronunciation feud. Is it Chimera? Shimera? Wait, didn't we already have this discussion? We did have this discussion. What where was I, I, I on you, that? I don't
1: remember anymore. You you Shim- said it was you said it was Shimera. Chimera? It, I believe it is technically chimera. However, you know, that's I the only I, thing I, perplexing I about this card, I wouldn't fault I wouldn't fault you for saying yeah. Also, because, We're already an hour into the show, so. Yeah. All right, perplexing chimera. <laughs> this card for a blue is enchantment creature Shimera. chimera um whenever no hear me out listeners, whenever an opponent casts a spell, you may exchange control of perplexing chimera. And that spell. If you do, you may choose new targets for that permanent for the spell. For that uh, spell. For that spell, yes. Uh, and if that spell becomes a permanent, this is in parentheses, if that spell becomes a permanent, you control that permanent. So, you know, you've got your little 3-3, and then they drop a big giant, uh, you know, like 10-10 or 9-9, or a progenitus or something like that. You can just be like, uh, let's swap these. I have a okay. feeling
2: this is going to be popular one for...
1: I'm gonna switch this with you, and then hope you forget all your triggers from now on. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, because once you do swapsies, your opponent now is going to get the triggers whenever you cast a spell. Okay. But so let's so let's talk about the the stuff you can can do with this guy. So he is gonna trigger for every spell, uh, and can be used for any of them. Um, if you cast a or or if if I'm if I'm playing against Biddy Kitty uh, and Biddy Kitty casts a bestow away uh, that Eidolon from from above and I go I want to do swapsies okay I give you my Chimera and I take your Eidolon now because you were casting it as a as a bestow creature as an aura with a target I can choose now to retarget one of my guys so I now get the uh I now get the idol on and then if my my bear cub that has the idol on dies well I still control the idol on so the Eidolon is gonna fall off on my side um anything when you gain control of the spell any words that say like you now refer to you uh, they don't <laughs> refer to your opponent
0: um so so how does this work with like tribute. Say we have that guy earlier, the 3-3 three, three with Tribute 3.
1: Okay, so so you cast, so Bitty Kitty casts a, a, a dude with Tribute, um, and I steal it with my uh, Chimera, okay? As it enters, it's now on the stack. I control it, so when it comes into play, or as it comes into play, I now give my opponent a choice, and I basically get to say, like, ha, huh, you thought you were going to put me in a bad spot. Well, now it's on you. You have to do it. You have to make the choice. What is it going to be? Do I get the counters or do I get to blow something up of yours? And I might blow up the Chimera. It's non-creature permanent. Oh, is it? Sorry. I'll figure out something. It'll be that red dude that does damage. I mean,
0: we should mention this. An enchantment creature is not a non-creature because it's still a creature. Even though it's also an enchantment, you can't blow it up. Yeah. I'll blow it up with the red one that does damage. It comes up. Go ahead. Keep going.
1: Okay. Um, now, one thing to remember about exchanges: uh, exchanges, in order to like think, in order to do an exchange, in order to do a true exchange, uh, both things have to be there. Okay. So if the if you cast a a, a really awesome creature and I go, oh, I want to swap with my uh, with my Chimera, and you go, oh, uh, crap. Um, I need to uh, uh, do something to get rid of it. So maybe I'm going to say you activate an ability to counter a spell. Like you have one of those uh, wizards that lets you like pay two blue mana, sack a wizard to counter target spell. I'm doing it this way for a reason that will become obvious in just a second. <laughs> um, so that now I counter uh, uh, my spell on the stack. That exchange doesn't happen. Or if I'm able to like tap a, uh, uh, tap a guy to kill... Uh, the Chimera, the exchange doesn't happen. Okay, so both both parts have to be there in order for the exchange to happen. Now, the reason I went really weird, <laughs> instead of instead of saying, oh, well, I don't want that exchange to happen, so I'll just counterspell my own thing, um, because that's where things get really kind of complicated, and really, you're probably not going to want to think that hard about this
0: card. Yeah, I didn't. Unless you're, what's that? I said I didn't. <laughs> yeah but it's just i had to to write this out i had to sit here and plot it all out in my head okay so i've got the chimera you cast
1: a progenitus okay something that i just start salivating over i really really want and i go ah uh well i'm gonna my trigger goes on the stack and i go you know i'm gonna i'm gonna exchange those guys and my opponent goes oh crap uh you know i want i need to i need to bolt that i need to bolt that chimera uh to get rid of it so that that exchange doesn't <laughs> happen. I can then actually because it triggers again i can actually exchange control of the bolt and the chimera um right so 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 the stack right now is progenitus first trigger bolt second trigger Bolt, bolt second trigger okay okay so now and i realize that this the end result isn't going to be quite you know really awesome or amazing but so we now switch so now i give you the chimera I get the bolt, and I get to choose new targets. So I'm gonna I'm gonna aim that uh bolt. Eh, I'm gonna aim it at the Chimera, or I guess I, I can no, aim it at your that. face. Yeah, <laughs> I can aim it at your face. I'll aim it at your face. Okay. So now that stacks resolved, the 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 perplexing Chimera's abilities resolved, the bolts resolved, and now we have another perplexing Chimera trigger that triggered while I controlled the perplexing Chimera. Okay, So I can now actually choose to exchange control of the Chimera and the Progenitus, which doesn't really do anything right? because the same person controls both now. Yes. Now, if for whatever reason, let's say I, I change Progenitus and it's not Progenitus, it's something with a target. Let's say it was also a lightning bolt. Okay. Um, Even though the exchange doesn't end up doing anything, I still get to uh, declare new targets for the lightning
0: bolt. Yep.
1: So I can point that lightning bolt at the chimera that I just gave you, or I can point it back to your face or whatever, or point it, uh, because it's now mine. I can point it at, or no, actually, it's not yours. So I can't redirect it to uh, your planeswalker. (laughs)
0: It's going deep. But that's
1: about the only thing I can't do. Yeah.
0: But that's true, because it's still their spell. You just changed yeah, the target.
1: It's still it's, yeah. So Whew. I think that's this card is going in so many decks. Yeah.
0: Uh, so how does this work with with her? <laughs> Not in any real format. I'm just saying. <laughs> shut up, man. Yeah. Shut, shut up. up. <laughs> Doesn't die to eye gouge. So that's pretty strong. Right. Um. Uh, but no, back to. So how does this work with heroic? Say, say Bitty Kitty has a bear cub and she. Okay. Giant gross targeting her bear cub and you're like, and I got to and I got a heroic dude. You got a heroic I, dude in the chimera.
1: OK, so sure, I can do swapsies. And, and take their and take their uh take their spell and change its target to my heroic guy. But heroic's not gonna trigger because heroic triggers when the spell is cast targeting it. The spell's already been cast. It was cast long before we started doing swapsy stuff. So even though even though the spell's target was changed, it doesn't cause heroic to fire after the spell's already been cast. Alright. You dig? I yeah, dig. Bitty kitty, under- bitty kitty understands. That's
0: milkshake. I can't tell. He's so hungry. They're all bitty kitty. He's so annoying. Even battle. Is it,
1: is it bitty kitty
2: Bil- milkshake and battle cat? Is that it? That's right. All right.
0: <laughs> all right. The next one is Phoenix, god of deception. Uh, he has all the normal god stuff: indestructible, blue, black devotion, blue and black devotion. And he also says creatures you control have tap target player puts the top X cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard where X is this creature's toughness because blue black can't do anything but mill. So one thing is if he's a creature, he does gain that ability. And uh, if you were to tap, so say he's a creature, I tap target Bitty Kitty. And I would say, Bitty Kitty, you're going to mill the top seven cards of your library. And Bitty Kitty's like, nah, and she kills one of my uh, people that is giving me devotion. So, Phoenix turns back into a non-creature. So the ability's on the stack and Phoenix turns back into a not a creature. What happens? Well, the ability still resolves and it looks at Phoenix's toughness, but Phoenix doesn't have any toughness because it's an enchantment. So no creatures are milled. I think some people might think this is a last known information situation as well, but it's not because Phoenix is still on the battlefield. Phoenix has not left the battlefield, so the ability can still find him. It's just he doesn't have a toughness anymore. That's it.
2: The next card is uh, Rage Monger.
0: Not a monger. The
2: guy who sells rage to you,
0: I guess. <laughs> monger is a creature type and they never use it anymore.
2: This is, this is a Minotaur Shaman. Uh, or Shaman.
0: I'm not sure. <laughs> I think Shaman.
2: Minotaur spells you cast cost red, black less to cast. This effect reduces only the amount of colored mana you pay. For example, if you cast a minotaur spell with mana cost two and a red, it costs two to cast. Um this is uh this is pretty straightforward because it explains what it does on the card. (laughs) Uh the cost reduction is not optional. And it has that extra line because the weirdness of the rules would normally produce colorless mana as well, but
1: it says it doesn't. Yeah, it's kind of weird because that seems to be on, like, that line seems to be on all the cards that reduce. And when I say all the cards, I, I only mean the, the, the
0: one other. <laughs> um, well, that's the issue, right? Is like there's one card where it's not on it. Um, and so that's the one that has, like, all the weirdness. It's kind of weird that the rules, uh, Colony Hydra, Colony Hydra costs green less to cast for each green creature you control. So, so the reason we're talking about this is say, um, say something's out that makes creatures cost one colorless extra and you had a hundred green creatures out. Colony Hydra would still be free because the rules say that if something reduces something by a colored mana symbol and all that's left is colorless mana symbols, well, it reduces that, too. And that's why the uh, Ragemonger has to have that extra word line on there to say, nope, it doesn't. (laughs) Okay. You think think they just changed the rule to um, flip it.
2: I, I am, think the rule would be the same way because it, it, it's functional the way it works. It's just that in this case, they they don't want you to get the benefit. They want you to get a little bit of benefit if it's red or black, but all, all the benefit if it's red and black. Yeah,
0: it just seems to me like Ragemonger should be the rule, and then Tony Hydra should be the exception, not the other way around. Yeah. It doesn't. I disagree. That's that's the whole reason it's even in here is just to talk about that a little bit. All yeah, right. no,
2: it's, it's that's actually an interesting discussion. I, I, I think it's fine the way it is.
0: Yeah. It's not
1: like it comes up all that much. No, it really doesn't. Just it's just for something for rules nerds to argue about on
0: Payback's Yes, blog. and if I mean if we can't talk about it on Judge Cast, where can we talk about it?
1: Uh, apparently, the forums <laughs> where a lot of interesting conversations happen. Okay. Servant of Timoret is a two and a black for a one three uh, that has inspired uh, whenever Servant of Timoret becomes untapped. Each opponent loses one life. You gain one life. Uh, you gain life equal to the life lost this way. And then two and a green, uh, two and a green, two and a black, you get to regenerate Servant of Timaret. So this is kind of a lesson in how uh, regeneration works. Um, so activating the ability uh, for Temuret to regenerate him really just puts a like a bubble around him, like a little regeneration bubble, like a shield, like uh, like in Temple Run. Sure, you know you get the little shield around you, so you can run into the things. Oh, uh, if it has that shield around it. Uh, and it would die. Okay, would be destroyed. Instead, that shield just kind of pops, saves it, and then taps the servant um, and removes him from combat. If he was if he was in combat and removes all damage from him, uh, so he becomes this really awesome blocker because he's a one three. He can block pretty much anything. And if someone's something big's gonna kill him, well, you just pay the the two and a black to put the regeneration shield. It's gonna pop. He's gonna tap, and then. Uh, during your untap step, he's going to untap and hey, you get his inspired trigger. Hooray.
0: Hooray. That's all I got. All right. Silent Sentinel. He's a flying And he says, whenever Silent Sentinel attacks, you may return target enchantment card from your graveyard to the battlefield. So... To touch on, uh, so this is target enchantment cards. So that means you can return any enchantment in your graveyard to the battlefield. So that's, that's auras, that's creatures with bestow. That's the other enchantment creatures, which there are more of in this set. Like all of the archetypes, archetypes are, Archetypes. I said said archetypes. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Wait, let's just all, let's move on, uh, any of those, any enchantment at all, but there's some quirks to returning an aura from the graveyard to the battlefield. Um, when you're returning an aura from the river to the battlefield, it's coming straight on and it just immediately attaches to something. So it's not like when you're casting it and you have to choose a target. So because of this, you can kind of get around certain uh, targeting restrictions. For example, if you bring back, um, let's say, pacifism, it c- you could attach it to your opponent's hexproof creature because you are not targeting with it. You're just coming back in and it attaches. It's just kind of a, a weird thing you can do with auras. Um Along the same lines, and despite what you might have heard on other podcasts, uh, the card cannot attach to anything that it would not be legal to attach to. So this is a little different than the targeting restriction we are talking about a little bit before. Anything it can't legally attach to. So say you have an enchant creature, you can't bring it on and slap it on one of your lands, right? And by the same token, you can't bring out an enchant creature and then attach it to a uh, protection from white creature. If you do, well, this is a may, so you can't do anything at all, but... Um, you can't even choose to do it, but uh, if, if you had it some way to make it happen anyway, you can't just have it come on and then fall off immediately. It doesn't work like that. You just, it never comes on. And that's relevant because there's some auras with Enter the Battlefield effects. Beyond that, if... It can still do, it can still do Shroud, though. Yeah, it can do Shroud. It can do Shroud and Hexproof, but it can't do anything that it couldn't legally enchant. So basically, if it would fall off, you know, if it would fall off, if this was like a state-based action situation, it can't come on to it in the first place in this situation. Something with protection from enchantment. Something like that. <laughs> like Azorius First Wing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also, if if you're bringing back a creature with Bestow, you can't actually bestow them. They will come back as a creature. Now I'm silent. On Silent Sense. Does, does
2: this card look like some kind of weird mix between, like, Lion Witch in the Wardrobe and RoboCop? <laughs> RoboCop.
0: <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, hmm.
1: It kind of looks like, um, that, that big metal machine in the, in the Thor movie.
0: Sure. Yeah, I
2: that.
1: That shoots a, that shoots light out of its face. Yeah, for some reason. But I can see the lion and the witch in the wardrobe. Well, I mean, cause it's got kind of a big lion.
0: I mean, yeah, I already see a right, lion yeah. and a wardrobe.
1: And a, lion. and a witch, I guess, maybe. <laughs> He's an archon. Order. Well, the lion's got the monkey wings from the Wizard of Oz, you know, that's... <laughs>
2: <laughs> so the next card is, uh... Spirit of the Labyrinth. Uh, Spirit of the Labyrinth is an enchantment creature that costs one and a white. It's a 3-1 and says each player can't draw more than one card each turn. What this means is that if you drew a card this turn, whether you drew it before or after this came into play doesn't matter. If you drew a card this turn, you can't draw any more cards while this is in play. Uh, This resets itself each turn, so if you drew a card this turn and then you draw a card during your opponent's turn, that is also fine. Uh, The draws that you would draw don't happen, so a replacement effect that it might happen, like dredge or uh, the, uh, any of the other replacement effects, like words of whatever. And but it's the thought reflection. I think it is. They don't happen.
1: Oh, where you get to draw an extra card. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and uh, and you you don't uh, you wouldn't trigger anything either. It wouldn't be like, well, I was gonna draw a card, so this draw card thing triggers. It doesn't work that way.
1: Um, but if you did, if you did something like, uh, how would it work with? Um, uh, oh, oh, I'm blanking. The expel, the expel that lets you draw cards and gain life. Blanking, blanking, blanking. The blue white. Sphinx's Revelation. There we go. Sphinx's Revelation. I was blanking on it. Um, so here's where it gets
2: interesting. Actually, this is a good question. So. Um, Let's say I cast Sphinx's Revelation during my opponent's end step. So I have not yet drawn any cards. And I cast it for three. Um, I'm going to draw one card and gain three life.
1: But I only drew one card.
2: Yes, because you can't draw more than one card in that turn. So I only gain one life, right? Yeah, well, it's not tied to that... <laughs> tied to the X, not to the number of cards you drew. Now, here's where it gets interesting with that, though. Now, let's say I was playing a dredge deck that also played Sinks of Revelation. I don't know why I would do this, but let's say I was. Uh, and I had a bunch of cards with dredge in my graveyard, and I haven't drawn any, any cards yet. So I go, I am going to uh, cast Sphinx's Revelation for three. For the first draw, instead of drawing, I'm going to replace that by dredging six and putting this good guard dra- grave Troll into my hand. Well... I replaced the draw, so I haven't drawn yet. So now I could draw another card, and I could replace that with a dredge. And then I could draw another card, and I could replace it with a dredge. Because I haven't actually drawn any cards yet, uh, this won't prevent me from from drawing the first card I would actually draw. Uh, the other thing about this guy is just be careful if you're playing this card, because it's very easy to accidentally draw a card you think you're supposed to draw and get yourself hit with a very nasty penalty. At competitive. What's that? At competitive. Uh, at competitive, Ariel, this would be a game loss. Right. At regular REL, this would be a serious finger-wagging and a don't-do-that-again, and eventually a game-loss, but hopefully it wouldn't get
1: there. It's cool. All right. Sudden Storm. Sudden Storm for three and a blue. Instant tap up to two target creatures. Those creatures don't untap during their controller's next uh, untap steps. Scry one. So it says tap up to two target creatures so you can tap up. You can tap zero, one or two target creatures if you really, really, really want to scry one. Um, so if you target uh, one or two creatures and both of the targets become. So if you actually choose to target something and uh, all of those targets become illegal, then the spell is countered. Okay, and you don't get to scry. So if you choose not to target anything, you're going to get to scry. But if you choose to target one thing and then that target goes away, the spell gets countered. Um, if you target two creatures and one of them becomes illegal. All right. This this is going to seem a little weird and maybe contradictory to some stuff that we've said in the past. But if I target two creatures and one of them becomes illegal, that creature will not be tapped and will and will untap as normal. Now, there was a card. I think it was Frost Breath. Frost Breath yep. Frostbreath. Breath. Uh, and previously we said, you know, like, hey, if that becomes uh, an illegal target, it's still going to be tapped down. Uh, we are getting this out of the facts. We're actually guessing that there's going to be a CR change, uh, that supports the FAQ ruling for sudden storm. So we're, we're basing this off of what the FAQ says and not what the comp rule says because we don't have that yet, uh, but we suspect one is coming and that Frost Breath will also uh, be changing functionality as well, slightly. It's exciting. So let's watch out
2: for that because it's also possible that the release notes are incorrect.
0: Yes, it is. That's also possible. But I doubt it. I think they're changing the rules. Probably, so many people got confused by that. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a weird thing. So what what we're referring to is frost breath. Under today's rules, right now, uh, it says basically the exact same thing: tap up to two target creatures. Those creatures don't tap down their controls next untap. Say one of the uh, creatures became illegal. Okay, it doesn't get tapped. That seems easy enough. Then it became tapped through. So whatever other means later on. It attacks. Yeah, it attacks. It actually still would not untap during the untap step. It's it's just some weird thing um, that, that the uh, Frost Breath still affects it. It just doesn't do the targeting part. So I suspect there's a rules change coming, but we we will see. We will update our loyal listeners for sure. But only the loyal ones. Only the loyal ones.
1: Yeah, the unloyal ones yeah. uh, don't get to ride on that pe- loyal Pegasus. Yeah,
0: and uh, tax and blocks alone. <laughs> Alright, Tromocratis. I, I like this guy a lot. He's a 8-8, blah, 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 who cares about that. Oh, he's legendary. Uh, he says, Tromocratis has hexproof unless it's attacking or blocking. So that's interesting, but he also says, Tromocratis can't be blocked unless all creatures defending player controls block it. My Kraken EDH deck. So A couple things I want to cover here. Uh, First off is the blocking restriction doesn't say, you know, can't be blocked unless all creatures able to block it, block it. It says all creatures. So if they have just one creature that can't block for whatever reason, say it's tapped or has pacifism on it or anything at all, just for whatever reason, it can't block Tromacratus, then none of their creatures can block Tromacratus. And I think that's cool. It's be that's obnoxious it's such a standoff um it's the the, the, the tremor has
1: hex proof unless it's attacking or blocking that's such a tease though because in reality I mean it, yeah sure it, it uh it kind of gets rid of all sorcery speed removal mm-hmm. But, man, you know, they're just going to be holding on to that instant speed removal till you turn it sideways and then they're like, oh, shields down. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. And so along those same lines, uh, you know, and we brought this up with the other creatures, but Tromacrate is, is attacking or blocking until combat is over. So you will have an opportunity. I can't think of any fancy plays you might want to do, but you do have the opportunity to, um, you know, say, I don't know, block. You say you have three bear cubs and you block with all three of them because you have you, uh, we don't have to, but you, you do block with all three. You do six damage to him, and then post-blocking, post, uh, post blocking, you still have the opportunity to shock Trombo to finish him off, and you have all the way up until the end of the combat step is complete, because he is attacking or blocking until that point. Yep. Yep.
2: That's, uh, that actually is exactly the scenario I was going to bring up, is, is if you are trying to play around your opponent having removal, uh, and you want to let all the damage go through and then play a spell, that would be how you would do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> But it's it's still... A, it's kind of an obnoxious card. <laughs> uh, next card is Whims of the Fates. Speaking of. Speaking of obnoxious cards, uh, this costs five and a red, which is way too expensive. It's a sorcery and says, starting with you, each player separates all permanents he or she controls into three piles. Then each player chooses one of his, one of his or her piles at random and sacrifices those permanents. So... Uh, you get to take everything you have and put it in three different piles, or two different piles, or one different pile. <laughs> um, and, and the reason I say that is because you can have an empty pile. You, you can you can go well. I I I'll take I'll play the odds here that if I put it in one pile, I have a thirty three percent chance of losing everything and a sixty six percent chance of keeping everything if I put it all in one pile. Um, and you you can separate out your permanents however you want. So like you could say. This guy is going to go in pile one, but the ordeal that's in him is going to go in pile two. I don't know why you'd do that, but you could. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and agree with CJ and say that this card is just obnoxious.
1: Well, let's 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 poke at this. I'm going to put my player hat on and ask you some questions. OK, uh, so you're you're casting this. Uh, and i'm 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 thinking i want to maximize do i get to see how you're dividing things up before i make my decision to divide things up yes uh the
2: active player will choose and then the the rest of the players in turn order will choose
1: okay do i get do i get to see how your stuff is going to be destroyed before i choose my piles no no that's right because you follow all the instructions on the card right and the first thing it has everybody do is separate their stuff into piles all right uh if this gets cast on you are, are you gonna are you gonna run the are you going to run it? Just just go go put for all, it? All, are you going to go for it and put everything in one pile?
0: And I feel like I should mention that your lands too go into a pile. Like, I, I'm so used to just inserting none land into cards these days that it actually took me a second to realize that, yeah, your lands are getting into these piles too.
2: I'm pretty sure it's it's just straight up correct. Unless you're way ahead on board, it's correct to just put everything in one pile.
0: Just, I mean,
1: correct, sure, but. That seems really unexciting. Yeah, I don't. Um,
2: you could also maybe depending on the situation, if your board state is strong, but you have lots of mana and the hand, you could go all my lands in one pile, all my creatures in the other pile, and nothing in the third pile.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's not too bad.
2: But like, I don't think I ever put things in all three piles.
0: So I don't know because so... you could you could put like bestowaways in in a separate pile from the creatures themselves, so that way you at least end up with one or the other. But I guess there's not much different than just splitting your creatures. Yeah, it's either. not different. <laughs> I'm not trying to just.
1: All right, so the last card we're going to talk about is Underwhelming Wave, (laughs) and I'm going to read that for two blue-blue, it's a sorcery. Brian, did
2: you add this card?
1: Yes, he did. I did. (laughs) I, I thought as much. Okay, Underwhelming Wave. It's just called Whelming Wave, by the way. No, it's Underwhelming Wave. Return all creatures to their owner's hands except for Kraken's, or Kraken's, Leviathan's, octopuses or octopi whichever and serpents return all creatures so it's basically it's a board wipe and so my question is why not whales I mean we saw colossal whale colossal whales easily bigger than most octopuses
0: <laughs> that colossal whale was gigantic
1: it was but he was also it, a five-five. Five. whales aren't traditional sea monsters I had did you see colossal whale yes neither are octopuses really
0: yeah Well, like, what about like narwhal what's that guy's creature type
1: right narwhal's whale. a monster. He's
0: a whale. He is a whale. Yeah. Why isn't he in there? Is there squids?
1: There's no squids in magic. Manowar. Is Manowar a squid? Manowar's a jellyfish. Jellyfish, yeah. Well, that's close.
0: Yeah, so why isn't jellyfish on here either? I I like to think that about this wave, though, picking up all the merfolk and just smashing them into a wall or whatever. Like, they can't get out of it, but the Kraken, Leviathans, and the tiny octopuses are fine.
1: Right. The cra- I mean, krakens, sure,
0: krakens are huge. Yeah.
1: Leviathans, leviathans are huge. Sure. Serpents, serpents are probably huge. Whales, whales are huge. No, not the whales, but octopuses... Really? It's it's a really. It, kind of, it is kind of funny that Octopus is, is on a card, though. That does kind of make me laugh.
0: All right. But anyway, that's, that's all I got. Yeah, that's, so that's the end of the uh, the card-specific notes we had. If you, if you have any emails post-pre-release, any questions yeah. post-pre-release about any interactions between one of the gods and Theros and anything else in the world, you can email them to us at judgecast@gmail.com at uh, we are going to skip emails this show, I think. I didn't discuss this with you guys, but just looking that at the time, sense. I think we're going to do it. But we do have some news and a, and a little bit of uh, cleanup stuff to discuss, so we're going to do that real quick. First off, we have a new Level 4 judge, and that is Kim Warren. Kim Warren is uh, from the UK, I believe. Uh, yes. And she was also formerly the regional coordinator of the United Kingdom. And with all of these things, uh, when the regional co- when the regional coordinator gets risen up to Level 4, which is not always what happens, but when it does happen, they usually get a new regional coordinator. Who's that? Uh, that would be David Liford smith That sounds good. Liford smith ah, Lifford-Smith. So
2: also known as DLS. DLS.
0: In the house. So Yeah, the United Kingdom has a new regional coordinator, so congrats to Kim Warren for making level 4 and congrats to David Lifford-Smith for making just... Octopuses. Is... It's not that hard. <laughs> it's really not, but... I just I, I'm done pronouncing. I've done all the pronouncing I can. Tromocrates. All right. Uh, we also have some new level three judges. First off, we have Joseph Weisenberg. So congrats to Joe. I don't actually know where he's from.
2: Uh, he's actually he uh, he got L three in Sacramento. He is from Southern California.
0: And then we also have a, a Jessica Dunks. Jessica. <laughs> or,
2: know this Jess- person.
0: Just, donks? just donks? donks? Donks. You could actually just pronounce it Oreos. I think it's fine. Uh, oh, oh, just Oreos. Oreos, yes. Just Oreos. <laughs> so big congratulations yes. to Jess Dunks for making Oreos. Ooh, oh, Jess! Ooh. JudgeCast, two-thirds oh, of us know what we're talking I was, about. Uh, I, yeah. I was level three uh, at the Grand Prix Sacramento
2: was where I tested and became L3. And then Joseph Weisenberg, Joe's a great guy, by the way, uh, he became L3 the same day, a few hours after I did. And
1: uh, it's just like, you got to steal my thunder, huh? I know, right? I've doing 3 for like an hour. We can edit out the part where we announce it. Yeah, he's we won't even talk three. about it. We won't. <laughs> <laughs> we can mention it next podcast. <laughs> oh. No, no, he deserves it. He's he's done a lot of
0: work for uh, for the Southern California community and really helped build them up. So. Yeah, but he's not um, here glad right now. What's that? He's not here right now, though. So. Great. Podcast solidarity, man. Podcast solidarity. Sure. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> that, Jess. You, Kim, Kim you were, and David,
1: you're lucky that we even bothered talking about you
0: guys. Hey, David <laughs> just barely got in because he was announced like an hour ago. Right. Two hours ago. I know, right? It's all – All right. Yes. Yeah. It,
1: yeah I, I I don't know. I, I, well, I think that – I'm glad
2: we mentioned the other people
0: too. I think it would be kind of self-serving if we were just like, and Jess and nobody else. Well, when Brian – But if we, did, if we did it, it's okay. Yeah. When Brian did it, we right, mentioned no. everyone else and not Brian. Right, oh,
1: that
2: was more fun. Yeah, <laughs> actually quite fun.
0: <laughs> and I almost went really with like the friend, you
2: know there were some threes and Brian's
0: own And we finally have an L three on the show just dunks. I almost went with that instead, but I didn't. <laughs> somebody commented that somebody <laughs> did that. Finally, finally an L three oh, that knows what they're that was talking me, about. Yeah, I yeah. did that. Um, all right, we also have a couple of corrections from our past shows. Uh, shockingly, we have made mistakes. Uh, the first one's about banding. Apparently in our episode where we, our lump of coal episode where we actually talked about banding, we talked about the situation where, uh, say a band of four creatures are attacking. And so if I remember correctly, three of them can have banding, right? Uh, Three of them have to have banding. Yeah, three of them would have banding, um... As a band and then all of the banding creatures are removed. Well, let's let's do blocking because that your example isn't going to make a whole lot of sense. Well, I I think we were right on blocking, but we were wrong on attacking is why I'm bringing it up. So I I am correcting what we got incorrect. Oh, okay, (laughs) okay, Um, okay. well, the actual example given to us was instead of having them all removed, they all become a copy of something without banding. (laughs) Just some way to make them all not have banding anymore. Uh, Apparently, the set of creatures that is attacking is still a band. However, uh, they do not get to—the attacking block of creatures, the band, does not get to divide the damage however they choose. I guess we said that they do. I honestly don't remember that. But if people say we messed up, I'm sure we messed up.
1: Yeah, it's banding, man.
0: Our (laughs) listeners are— It's okay,
2: though. It's okay, though,
0: because I'm
2: not worried about it. Level 3 Judge Jess Dunks is not responsible (laughs) for the mistakes of Level 2 Judge Jess Dunks. You've
0: been waiting. (laughs) Uh, oh, that's so a that's said, a that's a Eric Levine callback, is is yes, it? Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. I remember. Uh, so I want to thank Rob McKenzie for sending that in. Speaking of level three judges, the only one who was listening during that part. Uh,
1: unfortunately, I think the person that actually made that mistake was level three Brian Frilman. Well, who, who unfortunately <laughs> is responsible for level three Brian Frilman's mistake. Because
2: unfortunately, the rest of us said banding. We'll let Brian explain it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, in fairness,
0: <laughs> Rob does say that I asked the question and you confirmed it. So level two judge CJ Schrader may have been the one who was wrong here. The only level two judge on Judge Cast. Speaking of level two judges being wrong, um, I said, I think it was last podcast, that Shahrazad is actually legal in EDH, or excuse me, Commander. And that is incorrect. I was totally forgetting that... Commander also uses the beyond the band list on their website. It also uses the vintage banned list. That's why you can't play any anti cards or anything like that. So since Charizard is banned in vintage, it is also banned in Commander. So I want to thank Jeremy Bush and Stephen Klassen for sending that in, sending in that. Yeah, that was that was a weird one when you when you said it. I was like, it's like, huh? I couldn't believe it either. And I checked the website like eight times, but I forgot I forgot the line about how the vintage cards Because be. in my in my mind, those those
1: those vintage band,
0: car, they're not even real cards. Yeah. You know, it's like, and, yeah, of course, Stalking Tiger is a band. And so is, of course, what is it? Demonic Right, Falling Falling Star. Yeah. Brr. Chaos Orb. Obviously, it's banned. Right. And, and it was just kind of one of these things where it's like,
1: huh, there's it's got to be banned or else. There's so many trolls at my local game store that would be running that crap <laughs> if it was allowed.
0: Yeah. Must be an expensive card. So That's my mistake. Thanks for listening to the end of the show so that you could hear our mistakes. See, I think the yeah, plan we'll was put the retractions. At right. The right. We figured just most like, people would have tapped out by now. So we're pretty safe. Should have mentioned Jess at the start. Yeah, whatever. We'll get it next time. So <laughs> if if you want to contact us, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast. Forget get to tell your friends about Judge JudgeCast. You know, actually, legitimately, we don't, you know, we don't advertise this very much, right? I've, we've only made one post in the judge forums about it. We're basically solely word of mouth. So we do really appreciate it when people go out there and tell their friends about JudgeCast because I don't know, I, I like having a lot of listeners, even though I don't <laughs> gain anything from it. I like having them. So I do appreciate when people listen and I appreciate when people tell other people to listen, 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 wow, listen, wow, I think we're done. You guys have anything else you want to add? No, nope. nope. All right, well, thanks again to everyone listening. Uh, congratulations again, Jess. Level Thank three, you. Jess Dunks, my name's HJ Schrader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prillman. I
1: keep it up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, VA BA so starts away. I can't it's not exactly a good troll if I tell you I'm going to
0: troll you it's theater this whole show is is, is it's a theater shot. of the mind